So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These... <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say. Uh, anything. Nailed it. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my prior? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs> this is it, guys. The big secret to get published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. <laughs> you better hear first. We're going <laughs> to... Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the winner of the RNA's Katie Ford Debut Romantic Novel Award. Jamie from the future here, just to let you know that since recording this, Julie has also been nominated as one of the eight contenders for the RNA's Joan Hessian Award for New Writers. So that's awesome. And now back to the episode. Julie Howarth. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> welcome to the show. Hello. First of all, huge congratulations. Thank um, you. For the, the release of your debut novel, Always By Your Side, and Thank then having you. it win the yeah. Romantic Novelist Association's um, award. That must, that must, what an amazing reception to your debut novel. Yeah. I think even hearing you introduce me and say the winner of, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still kind of like, did that actually happen? But oh um, yeah, it did. Um, yeah. It's, oh my gosh. I almost don't have the words. It was just, um, it was such a shock and just such a huge surprise. Um, and I feel like, I mean, that was in March and I feel like I still haven't fully processed that it's actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> You just have to pinch yourself every now and again. Just yeah, to... it just was, um, it was such a lovely evening. It was just, um, yeah, it was definitely one of those moments that I feel like will be an absolute career highlight and that I'll just remember forever. <laughs> well, hopefully. Um, hopefully. <laughs> and speaking of um, careers, yeah. you have been an English teacher before you moved into copywriting. So you've yeah. always been in proximity to um, writing and, and, and yeah. words and that sort of thing. But prior to Always By Your Side, had you written many of your own stories before? So this is probably, um, yeah, probably quite a shock when I say this, but no. <laughs> um, so this was my first attempt. Oh, wow. Which um, is, yeah, I know. I feel like, um, yeah, that's always a bit of a shock, I suppose. Um, I think it was just um, something that I thought was just so unachievable that I almost never tried, if that uh -huh. makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. it's something that I'd thought about doing a lot but never actually, um, you know, put pen to paper or pranked up the laptop um, and just had never given it a go because I just didn't think, uh, it, I just didn't think it was something that someone like me would ever be able to do, I suppose. Um, so it, it kind of felt quite off the table as an option. <laughs> so what what was the thing that, that made you sort of go, you know what, I'm going to write a novel. Let's just do this. So there were two things. Um, so the first was that um, I uh, met another author, Lizzie Chantry, who is Essex-based as well. Yeah. Um, and she's in the RNA as well. And she, um, I met her at a networking event, I think probably January 2020. And she was organising um, a kind of author showcase um, in Essex that I went to in February. And there were loads of authors from all over the place that had stalls selling their books. You could chat to them about writing. Um, and I went to that and I just actually kind of my impression when I came away from that was that these are all just regular people. Um, some of them have got other jobs, um, they're doing it on the side. Some of them are full-time authors, but they're all writing. Um, and I think that was the first moment that I thought, okay, so like I could do, maybe it is something I could do. And that was the first kind of moment. Um, and then obviously COVID hit in March, 2020, 
I actually caught COVID first uh, five days before the first lockdown. Um, wow. So it was kind of, um, you know, I was sort of plunged straight into it really. And I was quite poorly for probably about six weeks. Um, and I just remember thinking, and it sounds, it sounds quite cheesy now I sort of think back, but I just remember thinking, do you know what? When I when I'm better, I'm writing that novel. I'm just going to get started, and I just <laughs> exactly did that. I literally opened the laptop, and obviously work had gone quite quiet with the lockdown and pandemic, and um, so it was it was kind of like the perfect time to start. And once I started, it just kind of flowed. Yeah, it's amazing. It's I think it, there's definitely I can definitely relate to that. The idea of it does seem like from the outside looking in, it does seem like authors are these sort of like uh, mastermind geniuses a lot of the time yeah. and meeting a lot of them in person. You, you kind of, you suddenly think, oh, you're just, a, you're just, you know, we're, we're just the same really. That yeah. You just did it. You just did the thing and, and wrote it. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, you know, there are obviously many authors are extremely talented and I could never write what they write, but there's something really about meeting an author in person and this is the same for um agents and editors as well i think and yeah humanizing them really kind of gives you that confidence to be like oh no i think maybe i could do this because they're only human too definitely and that that i and i just vividly remember that as being a real light bulb moment of kind of coming away from that and just after you know having having spoken to lots of different authors just having that sense that okay maybe i could do this and i've never ever felt that before so yeah. um i feel like going to that event was like a real um and i think liz has been on your podcast actually she has um, yeah <laughs> and she's amazing and i think meeting her and going to that event was just yeah kind of like a bit of a turning point or something just kind of flipped in my head that i was like oh okay maybe i could do this and i can't remember ever thinking that before yeah, that's great. And the, the RNA as, as a group as well is so, such a like, um, community, uh, encouraging yeah. and supportive community. Like they're some of the best people to just meet and then they'll inspire you to kind of go on and do more things. Absolutely. So this was your first book, but coming into this from a sort of copywriting background, yeah, was there planning involved or was it just full pantsing? Oh gosh, I would say that I'm not much of a I'm not much of a planner. Um, so just to put that out there, um, so I think I'd had because it's something that I'd be I'd been thinking about for a while. I guess I had like the bones of the story kind of worked out, but I wasn't quite sure, you know, how I'd get there and how that would look and how it would work. Um, and I think you know I would say that I would say this about um, you know my, my second book that I've been writing as well that I tend to. I kind of figure it out as I write, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like when I'm writing, something will spark and I'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, that would be a great idea or that would be the right direction for this to go. Um, so, I, yeah, I find it quite hard to, uh, you know, I know some people can sit down before they start writing. They've got everything mapped out. They've got a really detailed synopsis. I'm definitely, that's not my style. And I, and I find that really difficult. And I tend to be just, um, yeah, kind of go with the flow and see where it takes me. Yeah. One of my friends is, um, what, what I have, one of my friends is an extreme planner and I have another friend who's not a planner at all. And, okay. she, and she was saying part of the reason that she doesn't plan is not necessarily that she can't do it or, or like, um, or, or like doesn't understand the benefits of it. It's more that when she does it, she, she, it, she loses some of the enjoyment of writing, um, yeah, because I she knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I think there's also, it kind of maybe surprises me a little bit. <laughs> 
to go, oh, this is what's going to happen or this is where I'm going to go with it. Yeah, that's um, it. So yeah, I just, I just kind of feel like that works for me. So I haven't really tried to change. Um, but then I ha- I do also think maybe it might be a good idea to try and sort of sit down and <laughs> plot something out and see how that would go because I've never really, <laughs> I, I, I've never really tried that. Yeah, I, I, I think quite a lot of writers, once they've been published, do not necessarily become full like regimented planners, but I think they do tend to move more into a planning direction if, on, on the spectrum of yeah. planning to pantsing. They'll lean towards planning more because I think yeah. after, obviously with subsequent books after book one, you're you're usually on deadlines. Yes. And I think it's that thing of actually, um, I'm kind of learning all the time. I'm very aware that, you know, I've only written one novel. It was, it's the first one I've written. I'm kind of learning as I go along. Um, and a hundred percent that my way of doing it might not be the best way of doing it for me. And there might be better ways. Um, so I'm really open to, to, yeah, exactly that to say, or maybe I should try and, you know, plot this one a bit more or, or have a, um, and one of the things that I have already learned from my mistakes is that, um, I definitely, I think if I'd kept really detailed like character notes at the beginning, that would have been really helpful because I think you just, I kind of thought I would remember all those small details. <laughs> and then actually, I'm in book two going, actually, can I remember the color of so-and-so's hair? And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> right. Why haven't I written this down anyway? So I definitely think that that, that was a massive learning curve that I, I've, I've started to do that now and keep sort of de- more detailed character dates um, because you think you'll remember and you and you just don't. Um, so that, uh, yeah, I did. I sort of looked, looked back on that and said, yeah, you should have been doing this from the start. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm very aware that there's probably much better ways of doing things than, than what I'm currently doing. Yes. But I think like, you know, like any craft, the more you practice, the more you do, the better you get. And I think. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, I I definitely hope that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I think with, you can see with like, like some of my favorite authors, I can flick through their first um, book, someone like Brandon Sanson, who's written a million books. uh, And his, you, you can see in his first book, which is still great, but you can see how far he's come and how much more honed his style and his craft is in his like newer stuff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely hope that's the case for me. I kind of improve as I, as I, as I kind of go on. Um, but yeah, it's a massive learning curve, and I think even with that first book, the whole editing process of you just you don't really know how it works. You don't know what's involved. Um, you don't know how many sort of layers of edits are involved and things like that. And I remember. Um, I think Sarah Jade Virtue at SNS said to me, um, like in one of our first meetings, that kind of, um, you know, 90% of the work is still to come after the first draft. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, that can't be true. <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was so much work. Um, and then actually, after going through all of that process, thinking, yeah, that probably was actually quite accurate. So I feel that it is a really big learning curve on your first, on your debut. Um, and you're just learning all the time. And so hopefully that makes it easier for your next book in that you're, you're kind of aware of what the process looks like and how it's going to work and sort of time scales and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So you are with Laura McDougall at United Agents. Did that yeah. signing, was that before or after you signed with Simon & Schuster? 
So that was really recent. So I think I only signed with Laura about three or four weeks ago. So oh, okay. it was super recent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess I kind of went about things a bit topsy-turvy in that I obviously had the deal, had my first book out before I got an agent, which I know <laughs> is probably, I don't know, I don't think that's the standard. Um, so I, I feel like I sort of did things in, in the opposite way, if that, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, it sounds like a great way to do it. I imagine it did, did it make getting an agent somewhat simpler? I don't know because I guess I don't really know what it would have been like <laughs> if I didn't already have have the book out. So it's hard to say. Um, and the it, I, I basically the 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 deal with Simon Schuster kind of came about as, as through the RNA. So um, it was basically a one day submission uh, that they had just to um, Simon Schuster through the Books in the City imprint um, just for RNA members. Oh, okay. um, and I'd only just joined the RNA, so I think I had joined in um, January 21 and that opportunity came up in February 21 I think it was a Valentine's Day thing Um, so it was just like a one-day submission and I just kind of bit the bullet and went okay I'll just send it and sent my first three chapters my synopsis um, and yeah and then just see what happens and I don't think I expected anything to happen so it didn't actually feel that nerve-wracking I just kind of (laughs) send and then I just forgot about it (laughs) (laughs) that's probably the least nerve-wracking through the whole experience is just having having no expectations is a sort of um surprisingly healthy way to to deal with these kinds of things yeah i guess um yeah yeah i'm i was really lucky it was literally my first submission um so i obviously didn't expect to hear anything back at all um and then probably, I don't know, maybe a couple of months later, got the email to ask my full manuscript. Um, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now the stakes are a bit higher. <laughs> now this feels a little bit more stressful. Um, so yeah, I couldn't believe I got that email. But then w- once I sent it back, then obviously there's a there's a wait where you're kind of, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. that did feel, I was checking my email a lot. And, <laughs> yeah. and that did feel like suddenly it's always that thing of, you know, the closer you get to something, the more is at stake, I suppose. Yeah. One one tip I heard with when, when you're in the sort of submission um, period of your, of your writing is to have a separate email that, that oh. all of your submissions go to so that you're not constantly just checking your own email. Oh, that is, I didn't have that tip. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. Just, every time my email pinged, I was like, maybe this is the one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it feels like a lot. I think even, you know, I know that obviously wait times to hear back from publishers and agents, things are, are quite lengthy at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does feel long. So it's hard to know if, you know, if it just feels long or if it actually is a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as someone who um, sort of did did all the stuff, and 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 you signed through this RNA partnership with yeah. SNS um, by yourself. Yeah. Does it feel um, it? What kind of what's different about the kind of way you're looking at it, the way you're working, the way you're writing now that you have an agent? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like it's it's probably quite early days because I haven't been working with Laura for that long. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just that. But the sense that I don't know that you've kind of and an SNS are absolutely amazing. So I feel incredibly lucky to work with them because I think as a new author, it you know, it can feel a bit daunting, it can feel a bit scary, and they're just all so lovely that they made it just seem an absolute pleasure and they didn't make it feel scary at all. So I feel like that was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um but I also feel like obviously having an agent as well, you I guess you've just got someone else that's like a sounding board um, that is going to become your kind of go-to person for, um, you know, if you want to talk about things or you've got questions and that that kind of thing. So I feel like that's going to be 
um, you know, really useful and a real support in the future, which I guess I, it's almost like you don't know what you miss because you didn't have it in the beginning, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess it's also someone who, cause you know, you're the writer, you didn't know too much about how this works. I, I assume first, first time going through yeah, it. So- I mean, I would say, I kept saying to everyone, like, I'm just clueless. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I felt like I was kind of bumbling through the process, like yeah. not really knowing what was going to happen. Um, so I, th- I feel like I was probably quite aware that I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, so I just kind of, you know, tried to just go with the flow and not, and not kind of worry and overthink, but that's not always easy, but, um, that's what I try to do. <laughs> okay. Well, that, I mean, that's a good approach. Just, just keep it, keep it simple. Don't overthink everything, but hopefully now yeah. with your, you know, future publishing endeavors, you have Laura, who is going to be someone who knows how publishing works. She knows all the ins and outs of it to kind of pick you yes. up and shine a light to guide you. Exactly. Through. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, you know, I definitely think that. And I also think that, you know, I do, my ambition is that obviously I would love to be a career author. That's kind of the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, to do that, it makes sense to be working with an agent and to kind of have that, that kind of support and that network and that, and that person that you're working with as well. So I think, yeah, that was definitely like on my list of, you know, I, I've, I've, the book's out, I've won the award. <laughs> start looking for an agent and, yeah. and, and kind of taking, taking things seriously. So I feel like that was, a, it was a good time to start looking. Was it, did you go on like active submissions? Like it, it seems strange just because of the order you did it in. Yeah, it is a strange order. So I did. Yeah. So I guess um, I started and I guess even that's quite tricky because it's almost like you think, right, I'm going to try and find an agent. And then you're kind of like, right now, where do I start? <laughs> like, how yeah. do I know who to get in touch with? And so um, I spoke to other authors that I know. So that was really helpful. Um, and I just started um, looking at different agents kind of um, websites and and just trying to sort of like make a short list of because you know, I feel like it's really important that I found an agent that um, you know, I got on really well with and I, and it just was a good fit. So I did try and do a lot of research and spend a lot of time sort of thinking about who I would like to work with, but that, that does feel quite a tricky process because it's almost like, what, where do you start? How do you know how to, how to get in touch with? Yeah, true. Yeah. And it's, it's just funny going that way around. You think like the debut novel's already out, you, you know, you you, you've won this prestigious RNA award as well as like, you know, there's potential follow-up for more stuff and you are, you are doing more with Simon & Schuster. Yeah. So basically, so a little bit of an exclusive, hopefully, because <laughs> um, I don't think it's really out there at the moment. Um, but book two is happening. It's going to be out next summer. So summer 24, um, which is really exciting. So I'm working through some edits with Simon Schuster for that at the moment, which is really exciting. Um, and there will be, so the paperback um, of Always By Your Side is out on the 31st of August this year. Um, and there is going to be like a, a little teaser at the end that's an extract from book two. Um, so that's really exciting. So anyone that reads the paperback will get that little <laughs> that little <laughs> kind of glimpse of book two at, at the back as well, which is really exciting. Oh, that's great. So thing that you had, the, the, the partnership that you entered, the Valentine's Day thing where yeah. you could kind of blind enter to Simon & Schuster through the RNA, was yeah. that for a digital only publication? So that's a good question. I feel like I should know the answer. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I think it was. I think, yes, yeah, so I think it was um, Digital Originals, which is um, uh, kind of part of 
the books in the city imprint. Yeah. Uh, so it was digital original. So I knew it was it was going to be an, an ebook, um, but I didn't really know much more beyond that. Right. Okay. Um, and then as it went, obviously the audio book um, came out October last year. Um, so that was really exciting. And then um, also the obviously then got the date for the paperback, which is the 31st of August this year. Um, so yeah, so I didn't, I don't think I knew there was going to be a paperback. It was never a definite. So I think, you know, when I found that out, and obviously I've still, I'm still yet to have that moment where I hold it in my hands and I see it on the <laughs> shelf in a bookshop and probably burst into tears yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the middle of the aisle. So that's going to be a really emotional moment. I'm really looking forward to that happening. Yeah, that's that's the dream moment, right? When you go to the bookshop or the library or something yeah. and you see it in the shelves with all the yeah. authors that you've grown up with and stuff and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe it. So that still hasn't happened. So maybe that's kind of, I don't know, maybe I, I think part of me feels like maybe it won't feel real until I have that moment. I don't yeah. know. Um, but also, I'm not sure it ever feels real. Maybe I think when you speak <laughs> to other authors, they're just like, I, you know, I just it, it always feels like this. It never feels real. So I'm definitely in that where it, you know, in that mindset where it, it kind of feels like it's not happening to me but it is mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah 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 maybe maybe once you've got a few more books you'll come you, you'll accept the reality that the <laughs> yeah. first book did come out no, i don't know how many books you have to have before before it just becomes normal to you i don't know but um yeah it, i'm still very much in that kind of i can't believe this is actually happening yeah 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 yeah. so you are working on more books with simon and schuster so that that's that you've kind of extended your 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 partnership with them yeah um, so book two is is yeah definitely happening and that's out next summer amazing so what's the you're obviously happy at simon schuster what's the yeah. what's the process like was it kind of what you expected from having like submitted your novel and working with editors and then it kind of finally going out I guess I didn't know what to expect. If I'm totally honest, I think I had no clue of what to expect. Yeah. Um, and I think I knew what the process was. So I knew that there'd be a structure edit first. Then I knew that there'd be like a, more of a line edit and then a copy edit and then a f- sort of final proof. So I knew the stages, but I just wasn't really sure what that looked like. Um, and I do remember people asking me questions and saying, so what do you have to do? Like for what, what is a copy edit? What happens? I was like, I don't really know. I'm sort of waiting for it to land in my inbox and then I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, so um, yeah, it was a real learning curve, I suppose, um, because I didn't know what to expect. But again, I feel like the editors that I work with at Simon Schuster are just fantastic and everything just makes sense. And um, and everyone's just working towards that goal of just making the novel the best possible version that it can be. And it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, that feels, uh, it doesn't feel, it feels like a very natural process, which um, I think is great. And whenever the edits land, I always kind of read the notes and go, oh yeah, I completely get like where they're coming from and it all makes sense. And um, so it's, yeah, so it's it's been a good process. And I feel like with book two, I've just got a much better understanding of like what that looks like and how it all works and fits together. Okay. Do you think like that kind of new confidence, do you think that will help you sort of as you go through it a second time around? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think, um, obviously, I've, I've still got a lot of time on my side because book two's not out for a while. Um, so that, yeah, so that's helpful. Um, but yeah, I think I do. And I think when you know you've done it once before, it feels like, okay, yeah, I, I know what, how this works. I know what I'm doing. So I probably do feel a bit more confident this time around. And when you, I'm trying to think, um, always great to ask people about advice. And I know people are, it, it's a, a bit shaky to give advice, especially when they're, um, they're, they're, you know, they, they're debut novelists and you don't feel like you've mm. been in the industry for that long. Mm. But if you could go back to 
let's say twen- early 2021 when you kind of finishing writing this book and just thinking about submitting it yeah what advice would you give yourself if you Ooh, could do it back that's that's a really good question what advice would I give myself um <laughs> yeah I guess um just have to have that faith in yourself not to question yourself not to doubt yourself I think that um you know imposter syndrome is a is a thing and I think mm-hmm, lots of authors sure. kind of you know suffer from that and I think it's you know just just have that confidence in yourself and don't second guess yourself and just trust the process and that it, it's all going to work out really and I think hopefully sort of with the second novel I do feel like that's happening a bit more I feel like I probably not that I'm confident but I think I think everyone questions themselves yeah. um, but I do think that you know you can do it because you've done it once but then I suppose also at the same time um, when you're writing your first novel there's not really any pressure because you're just doing it for yourself you're kind of doing it for fun and you haven't really got any expectations and I guess with the second novel um it doesn't maybe there are expectations or not that you know that I I think you can sometimes put pressure on yourself not that there's necessarily any external pressure but I think you know those thoughts do go through your head um you know I hope this is going to be as you know I hope I can do it again I hope this one's going to be as good all of those sort of thoughts um so I guess it's just I trust yourself is probably um just have faith in yourself that you can do it I think yeah we could all remind ourselves of that in 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 whatever (laughs) we're doing in life couldn't we probably yeah, just just uh, stick with it, and uh, you know, if you work work hard at it, and, and eventually it, it'll it'll probably come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that can be hard, especially when you're, you know, sort of quite early in the process and you're staring at a blank page or you're figuring things out. Um, I guess that's, you know, that can be a, that can be a tough moment. So I guess just have that have that faith, definitely. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's great advice and a great. A great way to round off the episode going into our final uh, question, which as always is, Julie, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would it be? Oh, so this is, I, I tried to kind of trick you with this one because I was going to go for a Kindle and say that I <laughs> put all my books on it and then it will be fine. But um, if I had to narrow it down, I think I probably, this probably wasn't actually that difficult because I think I always knew which one it was going to be. Um, and that is going to be Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Yeah. Um, and I read that um, when I was studying English Lit for my A-levels. Um, so I was like 17 years old, which feels like a long time ago. Um, <laughs> and I think it was, it, that was the book that um, made me want to study English at university and really kind of ignited my passion for reading. Um, and I think that's when I knew, you know, I knew that I wanted to do English for my degree and I knew that books somehow were going to be um, important in my life somehow. I haven't quite figured it out at that age, but it definitely made um, a real impression and it, it kind of, um, it sort of steered me on the right path, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, any any book that kind of shapes you and sculpts you and, and sets you on a, a, a certain trajectory is always going to be like any yeah. good book that's that that's influential on, on you yeah. as, a, as a reader, I think is always an amazing choice. Exactly. And I still, I was clearing out, I was going through some books actually a few weeks ago, my bookcase, and I've still got that copy of from like from my A-levels with all my notes, <laughs> like handwritten in and bits highlighted and things. And, um, and yeah, and I've, I don't know why I've, I've just, you know, I've kept it all these years um, yeah. and um, I don't have that much face in my bookcase, but it's, it's like the one book that's always stayed there. Um, and I've read it so many times and obviously there's been lots of different sort of TV adaptions and film adaptions and I just love the story. So it's yeah. just one that always stays with me. Oh, that's great. 
That's great. And um, well, thank you so much, Julie, for coming no on the, the podcast and chatting with us, telling us all about your your writing and your publishing adventures. It's been really fun chatting with you. Yeah, Angie, thank you so much for inviting me on. You are most welcome. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Julie is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at jhowarthauthor or on Instagram at juliehowarthauthor. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on all socials. And to support the show, you can head over to Patreon. For more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Julie and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.